Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spirit-Led Hope. My name is Glenn Erickson, and in this episode, we're discussing speaking in tongues and the elephants in the room. Before we get to the topic, I want to point out that beginning with episode 14, Spirit-Led Hope now includes transcripts. I'm excited about that. If your podcast app does not support transcripts, you can view them on my podcast page at spiritledhope.com. As I get time, I do hope to go back and include transcripts for the earlier episodes, but it may take me a while. Also, if I sound a little different from previous episodes, it's because I'm making changes to my recording equipment. I'm learning some new things. Thank you for being patient with me while I continue to figure out this uh, art of podcasting. All right, what's an elephant in the room? Well, an elephant in the room is something large and it's obvious, but we often don't want to talk about it because it can be a bit awkward. And that's where we find ourselves with the gift of speaking in tongues, or technically it's called glossolalia. If you have never heard about speaking in tongues in a Christian context, It's a gift of the Holy Spirit, and it's practiced primarily in Pentecostal or charismatic denominations. So when speaking in tongues, the practitioner moves their mouth to speak, but the Holy Spirit determines the sounds that come out. And the sounds may or may not sound like or be a known language. In this episode, We're going to look at some of the higher-level issues surrounding this gift, those things that can make Christians a bit uncomfortable. Yes, we're going to go there. The first issue is a big one. Within the global church, Christians are divided over the legitimacy and the usefulness of speaking in tongues. A large percentage of Christians— do not believe that speaking in tongues is a spiritual gift in operation today. In fact, many of these Christians believe in cessationism, which is the belief that the spiritual gifts we've been talking about in this podcast stopped shortly after the first apostles died. In an earlier episode, I presented the case that spiritual gifts like prophecy and speaking in tongues are still for today. So, in other words, I am not a cessationist, but I would be called a continuationist, someone who believes the gifts of the Holy Spirit continue today, including glossolalia. There can be a tremendous amount of discomfort between Christians with these opposing viewpoints, and this discomfort comes from some finger-pointing that unfortunately often takes place. Cessationists often attribute speaking in tongues not to God, but to things like human emotionalism or, at worst, demonic activity. If you speak in tongues and your fellow Christian tells you that your practice is not of God and may be demonic, that tends to widen the division. It's very uncomfortable to hear someone tell you that. On the other hand, many Pentecostals act like they're better Christians because they speak in tongues. There can be a sense that there are some Christians that have and some Christians that have not. And fervent Pentecostals can create an environment where those not speaking in tongues feel like 
they're a second-class Christian. I've heard many stories about people faking speaking in tongues because they felt pressure to perform or to show that they had God's special favor. So let's be very clear about this. When we become a Christian, we are adopted into God's family with all the privileges that come with being God's children. Speaking in tongues or functioning in spiritual gifts does not make anyone more or less of a Christian. It's the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that counts. Now, what the Bible does talk about is that we are at different levels of maturity. And I find it interesting that maturity is independent of spiritual gifts. So some of the most immature Christians I know function in spiritual gifts. And some of the most mature Christians I know don't even believe in spiritual gifts like prophecy and speaking in tongues. In the last several episodes of this podcast, I've talked about spiritual gifts, and it should be obvious that I think they're important. I even said in the last episode that when I was baptized with the Holy Spirit and began to operate in spiritual gifts, that I felt complete, maybe for the first time in my life. In saying I felt complete, that was not a statement about my status as a Christian or my intrinsic value as a human. I felt complete because now I had the tools to hear God better and to serve God and people in a way I never could have before. Spiritual gifts are always secondary to the giver of the gifts. And while they are valuable and can be a very significant part of our journey to become mature— Let's make sure that we don't elevate or de-elevate someone based solely on the relationship with spiritual gifts, and this certainly includes speaking in tongues. The next issue is that the gift of tongues is frequently misused and abused. I suspect many Christians shy away from the gifts of the Holy Spirit in general because of their association with speaking in tongues. When one of our grandsons was a few years old and visiting us, We noticed that the house went silent. If you have energetic grandchildren, that immediately sets off an alarm that something is going on that shouldn't be. And sure enough, we found him in a freshly remodeled bedroom, drawing on walls, lamps, and pillows with a permanent marker. Now, when something like that happens, you have a choice in how to respond. The knee-jerk reaction is to take away the marker and never let him have it again, ever. The more thoughtful and riskier response is to teach him how to be responsible, even if it means more episodes with an improperly used marker. Monica and I chose to take the grace-filled teacher route. And yes, there was at least one more episode of permanent marker strokes on the wall that I can recall. But Monica took the time to draw with our grandson and to show him safe boundaries of where that marker could be used. And our daughter did the same thing for our grandson at their home. Our grandson has turned out to be an amazing artist. I love looking at his drawings. They're creative, 
They're well done. And I know that part of his love for drawing came from the freedom to learn and not being forever constrained because he made a mistake. My hope is that we experience this in the church. When we see the misuse of speaking in tongues, our challenge is to be grace-filled and not take a knee-jerk approach where we not only forbid speaking in tongues, but also forbid other spiritual gifts by association. Our challenge is also to respond to scriptural teaching and use the gift of tongues correctly. We'll look at that more in a following episode. Another issue that we face with speaking in tongues is that it has a reputation of being very strange and odd. If I were to ask you, what imagery you associate with speaking in tongues, I am confident that many listeners would describe something wild and radical. Praying in tongues is something that I do privately, and there's nothing wild about it. And yet when I think of imagery associated with someone praying in tongues, my mind often goes to some of the strange things that I've seen. I think I'll share the story when we get to the gift of healing. But I watched a man do an Elvis impression while singing in tongues. This was in a church close to where I live. It was weird. And I'm also fascinated by documentaries about snake handlers in the Appalachian Mountains who speak in tongues and hold rattlesnakes. Why do our minds go there when we think of speaking in tongues? But they do, or at least mine does. When speaking in tongues is done properly, as Paul teaches, most of the strangeness disappears. Now, there will always be people that think it's silly or weird or make fun of it, just like people will scoff at Christianity itself. But at least they will understand what you believe is going on and hopefully see it in its proper context. The gift of tongues used properly disarms a lot of the controversy. And part of the reason is is because it seems less strange when it's used according to Scripture. One of the big elephants in the room is that speaking in tongues is not limited to Christians. There are certainly examples of pagan religions and shamanistic practices where people exhibit glossolalia. Even the prophet Isaiah talked about mediums and necromancers who chirped and muttered. In other words, they made these strange sounds. If you think about it, that predated Pentecost when the apostles first started speaking in tongues. And this raises a very difficult question. If speaking in tongues is done by others outside of the Christian faith, how can we know it's of the Holy Spirit? In fact, I mentioned earlier that I know people who fake speaking in tongues. Is there anything we can truly say about the legitimacy of speaking in tongues if it's found in many places. Fortunately, Scripture itself answers this by showing that there are counterfeit gifts and experiences like what Christians experience. We should not be surprised if someone outside the Christian faith appears to speak in tongues. Now, the source of spiritual gifts and practices can be determined by the relationship of the practitioner to Jesus. If Jesus is not the Lord of the one speaking in tongues, then the Holy Spirit is not the source. The twist to this will be a Christian that pretends to speak in tongues or is so emotionally eager to speak in tongues that they generate sounds out of their emotions. Jesus may be their Lord, 
but the Holy Spirit is not necessarily the source of their sounds, they are. And that brings us to our final elephant for this episode. If speaking in tongues can be fabricated, how do we know that we're having a genuine spiritual experience when we speak in tongues? So to help us answer this, we're going to go to Scripture, and we see where Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 13 about speaking in the tongues of men and angels. When we break down the book of Acts and Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians, we see that the gift of tongues can encompass both languages that are part of humanity and languages that are not. At Pentecost, the disciples experienced the case where they spoke in known languages. In other words, they were speaking in a language they didn't know, but travelers visiting the area from other parts of the world could understand them. If you love Jesus and you experience this type of speaking in tongues, then you really shouldn't have any doubt that you're having a genuine experience. It's verifiably true, and it aligns with Scripture. If someone else understands what you're saying in their native tongue and you don't speak it, it's obvious the Holy Spirit just did something remarkable. Interestingly, most Christians today that speak in tongues do not have this type of experience. Now, I've read articles by scientists and skeptics that say there is no verifiable case that this has ever happened in the modern era. But that is simply not true, although maybe it would be hard to give them the exact data they would accept. Although it may be rare, it does happen. A pastor in Kenya that's a close friend of the church I attend wanted to help a group of people, but they spoke a different language. God instantly gave him the capacity to speak and understand a language that he knew nothing about. And he retained that ability. Maybe that would be better classified as a miracle or something else. I don't know. But certainly it shows that the Holy Spirit is still in the business of enabling people to speak in their non-native language. But what do we do with speaking in a non-human language? How do we prove that we're not just making it up? I mean, unless we were carrying on a conversation with an angel in their language, we don't get the feedback that we do when we speak in a real human language. First, if you are pretending to speak in tongues, you generally know it. If you're someone that was pressured into acting like you were speaking in tongues, I am sorry. That never should have happened. If you did that and maybe continue to do it just to avoid the feeling that you're a second-class Christian, I hope that when you hear this episode, you find freedom. You are loved by God, valued by God, you are His treasure, and speaking in tongues has nothing to do with that. So please, in the name of Jesus, be free. Be free. Now, it is possible that as we talk about this, that if you speak in tongues, you may begin to wonder if you're pretending, or you may be starting to worry that you're fabricating this gift. My intent is not to cast doubt on your speaking in tongues, so please be at peace. If you are worried, 
there is something very simple that can help you determine the reality of what is happening. See, when we speak in tongues, it's our human agency that causes our mouths to start forming the words, but it's the Holy Spirit that does the actual word formation. As a crude analogy, imagine riding a bike. You do the pedaling to get the bike going, but the Holy Spirit takes over on the steering and directs where you go. You and the Holy Spirit cooperate. You can start and stop pedaling whenever you want. In that sense, you are never out of control, but you don't know where you're going. And here's what that means with respect to speaking in tongues. If you are thinking of the syllables or words to speak, and then you speak what you're thinking, then you are not fully experiencing the gift of speaking in tongues. When we speak in tongues, our mental word formation is bypassed by the Holy Spirit. We don't know what words will come out of our mouths because we are not preforming them. There's a realm of study that's now called neurotheology. It started picking up steam in 2006 when a Dr. Andrew Newberg and his colleagues, they started using modern medical imaging techniques to investigate what happens in the brain when people speak in tongues. And what they found was that when people speak in tongues, the language centers of their brains are not active like when they speak normally. This is exactly how Christians speaking in tongues describe the experience. They say that they are not forming the words. The brain scans confirm this. Dr. Newberg does not teach that science confirms the existence of God, but the study and others like it do establish that something different happens to us when we speak in tongues. If you're a Christian that speaks in tongues, you'll feel that this scientific work is very validating. So if you are really wondering if you are genuinely speaking in tongues, we can show it with the brain scan. But if that's not available to you, uh, it is simple. If you love Jesus, have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, and the words are flowing out of your mouth, without any pre-thinking of the words, and something that ebbs and flows like a language, then you can be confident that the gift of speaking in tongues is in operation. In this episode, we've taken a high-level view of the gift of speaking in tongues, and we looked at some of the harder topics. Obviously, we could go much deeper, but I think it was valuable to get some of these things out in the open. In the next episode, we'll discuss why anyone would even want to speak in tongues. In other words, what is the value of this gift? As always, if you have comments, suggestions, or questions, please email me at glenn at spiritledhope.com or simply use the contact form at spiritledhope.com. And now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Until next episode, take care.